Good morning and welcome to today's off-season just gone 10am here on this 14th day of June 2020. A very good morning to all our listeners across the Resonate Broadcast Network. Watsy in the chair here with you this morning, joined in the studio by Scott Parkinson and breaking news. Breaking news for all our listeners out there. If you're tuning into the game this afternoon between the Bulldogs and the Roosters, change your plans. The game reportedly will be postponed. Um, one of the Bulldogs players... Their child goes to school where we had the coronavirus testing earlier in the week. So mm. they've got to wait for that test to come back. The game should go ahead tomorrow night. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? And these are the types of things that I think uh, are going to be part and parcel of our sport, um, you know, at least for the coming 12 months. Mm. Well, that's it. Like, I mean, the, the measures are there in place and they're very, very strict. So I guess it's a, it's a good sign that the NRL has all their ducks in a row to say that this happens so then we've got to enact yeah. this policy. So um, disappointing if you, <laughs> if you want to tune in this afternoon. But AFL's on yeah. and sport's on, what's it? Yeah, plenty of sport going on. Sally Kirkwood from the Charters Towers Jockey Club uh, joins us first up to talk about the $944,000 infrastructure plan uh, they have in place and the funding they received. Jamie Sauer joins us next and he's, he's heading to that game but he'll <laughs> have to play tiddlywings for the big show. Yeah, well, he's got, he's got a <laughs> Corporate box to watch the grass grow on the field, so that'll be exciting for him. And uh, later on in the show, Patrick Casey, a voice uh, many here in the West will know, uh, Nick Baxter will both join me to talk all things uh, union. Oh, and I'm surprised you got a word in edgeways with those two. Old boys union, Nick would have been his element. Sit back, gather round, this is the off-season on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Back with today's off-season and a very good morning to all our listeners across the Resonate Broadcast Network. 4SB Kingaroy, 4VL Charleville, 4ZR in Roma, 4HI in Emerald up there in Mount Isa on 4LM, 4LG in Longreach, the Hot Country Network, and 4GC in Charters Towers where we're going for our next story. And uh, the Charters Towers Jockey Club, Nick, had a, a windfall about a little over a week ago of just under a million dollars with a Building Better Regions grant for their jockey club. That is great news. I've been looking at their Facebook page. They've also had some nice rain. It's looking beautiful at the track. And joining us, uh, representative from the Charters Towers uh, Jockey Club, uh, Sally Kirkwood. Uh, good morning. Good morning, boys. How are we today? Yeah, very well. And uh, look, it was a really a double win last week, wasn't it? You got your first meeting back uh, since COVID and uh, welcomed in with that grant. Uh, I Look, I can't lie. So I always said that if we won that funding, uh, I would party for a week. And I <laughs> did. And so Saturday was actually a tough day at the office, but I dug deep and we... We got through it. So um, we had a fabulous race day. It was just the whole committee. We were so excited to be back racing. And um, that rain that we had received, the track just came up an absolute treat. It was it was brilliant. It was really great. Now, just tell us a little bit about this funding. It's obviously uh, a federal funded grant um, for just over 900000 uh, First of all, tell us the process in getting the money. And uh, secondly, what it's going to be used on. Yeah, so the club over the years, um, over many years, the club was at a crossroads where, like many clubs, we had uh, minimum standards to meet and we wanted to drive the club forward. It's our belief that here is a really perfect place as a training hub. We have up to 50 horses and sometimes more that actually train on our track um, every morning. And last year alone... Um, we had, it was 367 horses from our track that started in TAB meetings. Wow. So we're a pretty important hub and we want to, it's important that we grow that. So 
the committee, we've done the sponsorship and we've done the works and we've done everything we can, but we got to this point where we thought we need to go bigger and think outside the box. Um, we had a direction and, and ideas, but we needed a help to pull it all together. So we came, we bit the bullet and we employed CPR groups um, to help us actually put all those into, um, into fruition, actually. So we had planning meetings, we all sat down and we came up with what it is we want. And that then gave us a strategic plan. That strategic plan was the most vital part of the step. Um, from there, we shopped it around to, I sent it to all the, every political member I could think of, they, they're probably sick of me, but <laughs> I got on the, I got on the bandwagon and Minister Hinchcliffe, he was very impressed with it. So he invited us to go and discuss it with him. So we jumped on a plane and we met with Minister Hinchcliffe and his racing advisors, as well as we went to, um, meet the boys and girls in the Deegan Bunker down at Racing Queensland. And um, and I think it's really important that you have something, here it is, this is what we're trying to achieve. Yep. And then when people can actually see it and it shows how serious you are about it, 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 that was the first step. From there, we then did all the cost forecasting and the economic benefits and that so that we made the plan shovel ready for whatever funding opportunities became available. And the first cab off the rank was the Building Better Regions, which was um, a drought funding. And and Charters Towers really is lacking a um, function centre, somewhere for weddings and, you know, even field days or something. And as you guys know, it's such an important industry racing, not only for jobs and the economic benefits, but for that social side, for our graziers and our regional, you know, it's, um, yeah, nothing is like a race day. So that's what we did. That's how we got it. And we put it in, it, we lodged it in. And look, I didn't, I really didn't want to dare to dream thinking, <laughs> you know, but uh, look, we're, we're thrilled. We're really, really over the moon that it's, that it's come through. So that was, um, we're now into the next stage where I'm completely a little bit like, oh my gosh, now I've got to become a project manager. So <laughs> With that money, um, we're going to uh, just give the existing building, it's going to get a refurbishment and we're going to put a new permanent marquee structure out the front because our race days have grown so much, we need more shaded area. And then that will then in turn help as another building that people can hire for functions in the town. And we'll terrace down the front, uh, which will make better viewing for race days. We'll upgrade all the AV systems and things there in the building um, so that, you know, for weddings, but also to broadcast races because at the moment it's quite old and the, the service isn't up really great. And, um, and a new caller's tower and judge's box. So, um, yeah, so it's very exciting. Our plans, there's pictures of it on our Facebook page if anyone wants to get on and have a, have a squizzy of what we've envisaged and what we're trying to achieve. It'll be there to have a look at So. We're very excited. Now, Sally, as part of that 944000 is it true that there's going to be a statue of the Wandai Wasp out the front? <laughs> Listen, you're now my best friend that you've mentioned the wasp. The wasp. Oh, she's a rabbit. You know, I, I, she was a potty foal, and um, she is just one of those things that's actually quite quirky, but I just love her. And there's days when I think, 
Oh, we're going to win something maybe way, way west where there's <laughs> not much talent and a lot of dirt, but oh, maybe one day. <laughs> maybe. We've got to believe. We've got to believe, don't we? So, um, yeah. But other than that, the club, the, our regional council here, they've been really, really supportive. So they actually picked our project up, the whole entire project. So to do the whole lot, we got in there, you know, on-course stabling and another lot of tie-up stalls, as well as more, like, to irrigate the track. They've come on board and we now have been allocated effluent water to irrigate the track, which which we've got to build towards. Um, the, the total project in whole comes to $5.4 million and they slotted the whole lot in for the battle plan for Queensland. So it's a state... It's state funding um, for yep. Queensland coming out of COVID. And look, you know, we're so grateful that we've won what we've won and whether or not we... I, I'm I'm not game to get excited. So <laughs> I'm just... I'm going to worry about what I'm doing. <laughs> no, Sally, I have been checking out your Facebook page. Uh, you seem to enjoy what you call trash talk, which is chatting with some of the team and some of the jockeys and the others and uh, their contribution. You get some great stories out of them. Yeah, look... I, I figure that, um, you know, there's so many that capture the, the punting and the serious side of it, and so I don't need to cover that. But we just found that people love the funny, the personal, you know, like a little bit more just the personal side. And it's quite, when we started, um, a few were unsure, but now <laughs> people actually want to do a trash talk segment. And, um, and look, and I think it's, I think it's really lovely. Um, people then think that they can understand a personal connection with them, and um, and it makes it really lovely. And I and I just like to keep it fun, you know. Mm. And all of the the team that we talk to, they're they're just such a great group of people in in especially country racing and up here. Um, so it's nice to be able to showcase that and showcase to people you know they're not just a jockey on a horse or a trainer you know it's something a little bit uh a different side of them so it's it's quite good we we have a great time doing it too yeah jump on and like and subscribe to the charters towers jockey club facebook page uh sally kirkwood thanks very much for your your time this morning and uh big congratulations to all the work that goes on there at charters towers jockey club and all the best with the uh renovations and moving forward for 2020 and 2021 Look, thank you, and please come to our race day and we'll celebrate when uh, the works are done because I can guarantee it will be epic. (laughs) This is the (laughs) off-season. Back with today's off-season and a very good morning to wherever you're listening across regional Queensland, whether it be on 4SB, Kingaroy, 4VL, Charleville, 4ZR, Roma, 4HI, in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4GC in the Towers, 4LG here in Longreach or on the Hot Country Network. And a big weekend of NRL Round 5 kicked off on Thursday night with uh, the Manly Seagulls 20 over the Brisbane Broncos 18. The Warriors, uh, that feel-good story continues, 37 points to 26 over the North Queensland Cowboys. The Parramatta Eels, too good for the Penrith Panthers, 16-10. The Rabbitohs, 32 over the Titans, 12. The Melbourne Storm, 26. The Newcastle Knights, 12. And the Canberra Raiders, 14 over the West Tigers, 6. What's in the chair here with you this morning? Parco joins me. Mate, uh, good round of footy so far, although you turned it off after Thursday night. (laughs) 
Yeah, we went to bed at halftime on Thursday and um, celebrated the victory and then woke up and we lost by two, so that was disappointing. And, um, mate, can I tell you something exciting, though? Um, the off-season's really taken off. I saw a lady up the street yesterday wearing an off-season T-shirt. She was... So it, got that it was from. homemade. <laughs> the um, she on the cut out. the sleeves herself, but, geez, it looked good. Jamie Sauer joins us. How are you, mate? I'm good, thanks, boys. Uh, I, I don't believe that story. I know on radio you've got to have GST on your stories, but someone wearing one of your shorts, I think that's, that's over the 10%. <laughs> Just trying to create a movement. Mate, I'm going to take you, Sarah, I'm going to take you back to Thursday night, and you hit the nail on the head last week with the Broncos. It was their immaturity that shone through when they needed that killer blow. There was no one to deliver it. They went to sleep and manly all over the top, 20 to 18. Yeah, look, I, you know, watching that game, the Broncos, you thought you got really excited, um, and then after half time, you knew Manly. I, I did a, a live uh, on Instagram, and I just felt Manly were going to get themselves back into the game. Um, Cherry Evans was investing in some sets ahead of time, trying to swing momentum by kicking early, and I think that's a real way that you know teams are going to be able to get themselves out of if they are up against that. He's kicking early and going right. We, we're going to. We know we're on the back foot, but we can defend. Uh, a couple of sets and be happy with that rather mm. than try and get the points back all at once. And I mean, the Broncos, I was a huge fan of Brodie Croft. I'm starting to see some holes in, in that spine that I don't really like. And I know Turpin's injured at the moment, but um, again, puzzling selections. Asako goes to nine, uh, New comes in and plays fullback. Jamie, the news coming out of Brisbane this morning is that Isaac Luke's ended his contract with the Dragons early. Um, you know, quite happy there, but said he's got a career after football that's based in Brisbane. A good move for Brisbane. I know they let McCulloch go. You'd think he would have been the natural one to fill that spot, so now they've gone out and chased Isaac Luke. Do you think we'll have dividends for him? I mean, it's a, it's a like for like, isn't it? An experienced hooker that's been playing at the highest level for a long time. Um, the only thing I would probably say that they did that is maybe uh, they get Isaac Luke on the minimum mm. and McCulloch was on a contract so they can get Ben Teo into the team. So they would have had to manoeuvre that around a bit. Is it going to help them? Uh, yeah, Isaac Luke's a quality player, but it doesn't matter if, you, if your halves aren't pulling the right strings and having those good set-ins. Um, yeah, it doesn't matter at the moment. So Broncos still a lot of work to do. They're going to be better when uh, Pango Jr. and Fafita come back in. But uh, in a positive sign, Matt Lodge the other night, yeah. Someone told me why he hasn't been starting. Mm. Yeah, he's the most aggressive forward that they have. He sets the tone, and I think that Anthony Seabold, again, changed a winning you know, pattern last year that got them into the eight with starting with Lodge and Haas. And, and Payne Haas feels better with, with Matt Lodge there. Mm-hmm. Mate, uh, let's move on to the next Queensland team. And the less said about this, the better. They've got a big uh, supporter base out here in Western Queensland. The North Queensland Cowboys, I thought, were pretty ordinary Friday night. The Warriors, they keep dipping into that jar, though, 37 to 26. You know what? I think uh, Paul Green's under a lot of pressure. He is under a lot of pressure. Uh, I know he's had injuries to, to Michael Morgan, but um, they haven't changed their style of attack from when they won the title. Mm. And, and there's no Jonathan Thurston walking through that door tomorrow. So um, for me, I, I think he's under real pressure. They're too structured. They don't have any freedom to be able to play off the cuff. Jake Clifford at, at times looks like he's got to stick to the game plan or he's going to be hooked. Uh, yeah, Strink, Scott Drinkwater's still learning the game plan. I'm really disappointed in the Cowboys. This is a team, I didn't have them in the eight purely because I didn't think they had the depth uh, and, and enough points in them, but this is a team that a lot of people had in the eight because they got Valentine Holmes. And I know injuries happen. I was at a team in 2014 where we lost, I think we lost five or six guys, and the next man up mentality 
and the way we played, you know, sometimes with reckless abandonment, we just turned up and played. And we played what was in front of us, and we ended up making a, a prelim final just off the back of playing footy. The Cowboys look like they turn up, and if Jason Tumalo doesn't run for a thousand metres and scores six tries, yeah. they're not going to win. So I think that Paul Green's failure to adapt to the game plan and failure to, to get those guys up to scratch with some of their, their game, uh, and they've plateaued. A guy that copped a lot of criticism in the off-season, oh, all the off-season, the COVID break, was Latrell Mitchell. And, you know, we, we I think Wayne Bennett just preached patience, and he said, look, he's we're building him into a fullback, and he will get there. Well, you know, yesterday I thought he was outstanding, scored the first try for the Rabbitohs and just dominant against them. Is this now where he's going to? Is it going to be just strength to strength with the trail? Like, are we, is this what we've been waiting for? It feels nice to actually talk about his game. 100%. It? Mm. it gives me goosebumps because uh, having worked with Wayne, I probably had the inside running as to seeing the, the long-term future with Latrell. And, yeah, everyone's like, Santa, Santa. I said, look, he, he probably could play Santa, but Wayne will stick with him at fullback because he believes in him as a fullback. Yeah. The fitness thing is, is always going to be an issue until... Yeah, because he's got that body type. You know, mm. if he gets fit, fully fit, and another preseason and combination, yeah, you know, he'll be at his at his best. But the last two weeks, what he did against Melbourne, that pass, I don't know if there's many fullbacks can throw that pass. And then yesterday, people say, well, it's the Titans. Well, the Titans beat the Tigers last week, and everyone's got the Tigers making the eight. So uh, South Sydney needed that win yesterday. He looked menacing, and yeah, I said during the week in previews. It's a different, and people would know this listening if you if you understand uh, what I'm talking about. When you play with an Indigenous player like Cody Walker, you, they hold themselves to different standards, and they would have been into each other, onto each other the whole game if they weren't living up to those standards. So Cody Walker can talk to Latrell Mitchell differently than when he talks to Sam uh, Tom Burgess yeah. because they have that that respect, that you know that cultural background. Now, during the week, there were two NRL legends that offered, well, didn't offer, that talked about helping their old clubs. There was yourself offering to go back to the Dragons, and there was the Broncos asking for Gordon Tallis. And the difference between the two was, mate, you put your hand up and said, as an old boy, I'd love to go and help. Gordon Tallis is quick to very much whinge about the Broncos and why. I don't know what's going on there, Jamie, but, you know, there's something on the nose. Do clubs often welcome back old players to come down and help out, or you know, what's, the, what's the situation there? Well, it's, diff- it's difficult. See, I'm, I don't class myself as an old boy because, you know, I got let go by the St. George. They didn't want to keep me. And um, I think since that relationship was tarnished, you know, from both sides, I've always felt disrespected by the club. Um, you know, I never got, a, never got to say goodbye to the fans, never got a lap of honour, and that's something that I regret because mm-hmm. of how it all ended, uh, because I signed with another club. But... Um, it's not like A grade where you can go, oh, I wish he'd come back down and help. You know, there's systems, there's people that get paid to do that. But, yeah, there's what's going on at the Dragons at the moment is there's a lot of confusion and there's a lot of disgruntled players that aren't getting opportunity, which is creating frustration. And then you've got the stuff, the Jack DeBell and stuff as well, which has come to surface again this week. So, um, it's, yeah, I, I would go down and help where, wherever possible, but. Um, I don't know if it's as simple as just putting my hand up because um, they must have lost my number. <laughs> <laughs> what about that trading card, the Sweet Zow trading card that you used to take around sign? I'm sure they'd got a copy of those down the clubhouse. I, ca- I cannot give them away anymore. I, I gave it to uh, anyone that knows the big show from the Sweet Zow podcast. I actually uh, gave his kid one. And he said, where'd you get this made? And I said, I actually used to play. 
looked, looked me up and down and said, yeah, right. So he's only 10, so he's got a bright future in comedy, uh, unlike his dad. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's been a while. Well, the big show's diary is one of the highlights of the Sweet and yeah, Sour Yeah, speaking podcast. of the Sweet and Sour podcast, uh, where are we headed this week? Yeah, look, big show. Uh, it's, I think we're going to try and go live this afternoon. Uh, and spend some time together as my little daughter comes running in. But, uh, yeah, he's got an obsession with Buddy Franklin and the Swans. So, hey, but quickly, boys, this afternoon, just if I've got 20 seconds, this yep. afternoon, Bulldogs Roosters, conditions down here, uh, a little bit wet overnight, so maybe not as free-flowing as expected. And Bank West, it's third game this weekend with the ground starting to chew up. So uh, I'm expecting a, a bit of a gritty affair. Roosters to, to walk away with a win, obviously, but Take the they'll have it their own way. And the local derby, uh, Dragons, Sharks. Oh, I'm tipping Sharks, but I'm expecting the Dragons. Uh, some whispers, obviously it was in the paper, but I heard some whispers earlier in the week. Ben Hunt was spending a lot of time at nine. Yep, and yes. there'll be a couple of late changes. So that's a couple of things to keep an eye out for this afternoon. Jamie Sowd, thanks for your time this morning. We'll do it all again next week. Too easy. Thanks, boys. This is the off-season. Back with today's off-season and a very good morning to all our listeners across the Resonate Network. As uh, what's in the chair here with you this morning and as always, Nick Backstrom. Time to turn our attention to one of our very faithful guests that uh, joins us <laughs> weekly on 4LG and a wealth of knowledge and can tell a story. Oh, for sure. <laughs> and you were school buddies a few years apart. <laughs> Sorry, well, we are, that's right. We did go to the same school in Brisbane, but uh, yeah, he graduated a couple of years ahead of me. But uh, we still share great memories, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, we speak of the great Patrick Casey. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Andrew and listeners. You must be quite overawed, actually, to have a couple of robust lads sitting opposite <laughs> you here. Well, <laughs> my public school education doesn't measure up to the, that of the terrace boys. <laughs> well, as long as you, you admit that, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, we learned a lot of things at terrace. Um, for instance... Uh, Some every, of them in the classroom. Every, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, 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 they knew that I had a little transistor radio and that I only played sport on a Saturday morning, which, of course, yeah, was yeah. rugby union, yes. because Saturday afternoon <laughs> I had to go to the races. <laughs> and on Melbourne Cup Day and that, everything would stop. Oh, yeah. And we'd go to the assembly hall and yeah. out would come the radio... And the brothers, I don't know if they had a bet on it or not, but uh, they were very, very <laughs> interested in the race. Yeah, yeah. boys, uh, you, you both you, I, I hear you speak of uh, union and you have a, a real passion for the game. And um, <clears throat> obviously union was obviously, a lot of the time it was a private school game mm, and oh, a sure. lot of the guys that came through and there's special union schools and now there's special rugby league schools. But I feel that passion has gone a little bit now. Well... To start with, do you know how Rugby Union started? No. Do you know, Nick? Well, I know the William Webb Ellis story. Well, <laughs> Rugby Union started because they used to play the world game in yep. England and kick a ball around all over the place. And it happened at rugby. Mm. And one day, one of the boys got a bit frustrated and he picked the ball up and he ran with it for the very first time at rugby. Mm. And they thought, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> and they chased him. And he, he crossed the line and he said, I got points now that I crossed. <laughs> and from that evolved some rules and the game mm. of rugby yeah. union 
which, as you know, in South Africa and New Zealand is a religion. <laughs> yes, it is. And even talking to the likes of Jimmy Cassidy, who's four foot one, oh. <laughs> he still, he, as soon as they could walk, they want to be an all-black. Oh, look, I, I still say to this day, Dame Kiri Takanawa is about the only famous Kiwi I've ever heard of who hasn't claimed to be an all-black trialist. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's fair enough. And I've even heard of Dame Kiri Takanawa, <laughs> and furthermore, I can pronounce her name. <laughs> and Terrace, is it still the rugby powerhouse? Oh, look, it's... um. It has. I, remember, I was there for five in a row. They won the premiership five in a row. I don't mm. think they've done that quite since. It still produces great players. Harry Wilson is one of them, currently mm. playing for Queensland and earmarked for the Wallabies. So it's still, it's still a good rugby school. I think Nudgee is will always be the rugby school yep. in terms of producing uh, the players who go on with it. Yep. Uh, rugby, uh, Nudgee was always our opponents yes. at that level. But Andrew, we had. Everyone at Terrace did PT of a morning before you went into your class. Everyone had to play rugby union. Yep. And within a class of 30-odd uh, or whatever it was, they had teams, a red team and a blue team. And every week you played. And I'm going back right. to the 40s because mm. I went to Terrace in 43 and left in 53. And those classes played each other. Out of those, they picked an under-15C, an under-15B, an under-15A, and the fourths and the thirds and the seconds. Everyone played sport. It was an exercise. And uh, it was in the GPS nine schools. Mm. It was a very fierce competitive mm. sport. Now, one day I was in the under-15, call it the Cs, it might have been the Bs, and it rained. There was no sport anywhere in Brisbane on that day but it was between Brisbane Boys College and ourselves for the premiership. So we played it <laughs> at BBC, and when you kicked the ball, it couldn't bounce. It could only lob in the water. Oh, yeah, BBC's yeah. right at the bottom of two hills, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can tell you, to get tackled was wonderful. You couldn't get hurt, but you had to be able to swim underwater. <laughs> now, let's have a look at our Western Districts now, yeah. uh, and some of the bigger centres, you know, like Roma and the Isra. Mm. They've still got some union. But here in the mm. Central West, this, the um, competition fell over about four years ago and look to be honest i don't think it's going to come back but but patrick was in in the early days out here in western queensland was it a rugby league stronghold or was there still uh, union out here i'd come out each holiday uh at christmas because i've got so many relations and so forth and i never even heard it mentioned mm. rugby league was played i am not aware that it was ever a really strong thing in my younger days out here. Well, Nick Nick actually bought a pair of boots with him out from <laughs> Brisbane and uh, planned on taking the West by storm. So that comeback's still on the shelf, Nick. Uh, but <laughs> I'm afraid so. Wait, wait on. The oh, day no. may come when in Rugby Union they get the veterans in. You take the veterans at golf, the game of golf. They can earn more money now than they did when oh, they true. were younger. Mm. Now, I believe Rugby Union... They did some statistics. There is average 38 minutes actual play in a game these days with all these stoppages. And I believe this adherence to the strict rules in scrums and that 
is spoiling the game. Oh, look, I, I tend to disagree with that. I think what's going on is uh, refer- uh, coaches have been coaching their players, I oh, can get around, try this, try that, push that, push that. And so the referee's going, no, that's illegal, stop doing that. Mm. And um, if they stop, if they just played within the rules, which is actually quite straightforward, a lot of people talk about how it's a lot of interpretation, and there isn't. We've convinced ourselves. And uh, I think if they just played the game, played the rules, mm. and I say this about every other code where they complain about referee yeah. being pedantic yeah. you go well don't go offside don't come in from there you know mm. just play the you game know the rules. and we'll keep yeah. going yeah. see my emphasis is on the spectator looking at oh, the yeah. sport seeing yeah. all oh, the yeah. stoppages the scrum, the scrum is a big issue at the moment for yeah. sure now I've been very lucky boys in that uh, uh, at Terrace uh, we have had a number of wallabies mm. including wallaby Bob McMaster yep. now I used to sit with Bob's wife uh, every Saturday at the TAB. I got to know Danny, who was a great impersonator, his son. I did a eulogy at his uh, funeral. And as I showed Andrew the other day, uh, I said a few things in connection with Bob and I we had in common. Went to the same school, liked our horses. We owned the odd <laughs> two or three. And in the uh, Gold Coast newspaper, they wrote up, the eulogy was done by leading racehorse owner. <laughs> <laughs> I had a share in one horse. <laughs> oh, now, it's not for journalists to exaggerate yeah. the truth, <laughs> yeah, is it? Right. Hey, Patrick, thanks very much yeah. for your time uh, this morning. Yeah. And, Nick, always a pleasure. Yeah. This is Thank the off-season. It's approaching 11 o'clock on this Sunday, the 14th of June. A beautiful morning across Western Queensland and a big thanks to Jamie Sowers, Sally Kirkwood from the Charters Towers Jockey Club and Patrick Casey for their contributions this morning and it's time for Rate of Origin and for this week's poll I cross to Scott Parkinson. So we've gone something a little bit different this week and I wanted to get away from Rugby League. Nick, I know Rugby League is your, you know, it's somewhere in your top 10 um, <laughs> sports you watch. <laughs> Football codes. Yeah, so I wanted to get on to Rugby Union and, and they've just announced that they are having a domestic competition, which I think is is positive news. Mm. There is going to be some rugby played in 2020. And they've signed a broadcast deal with Foxtel, which is great because at, the, at that time there was nothing going on. There was Rugby was not going to be seen. You'd have to almost go and videotape it yourself on the bit style. Um, so the answer, the question I've asked is if Rugby Union was on free-to-air, would you watch it? Now, Nick, obviously you would because you're a Rugby Union fan. So for you... It's more about, is that the answer to Rugby Union's problems? If, if we get free-to-air coverage for Rugby Union, does that solve the problem? And what's he, as someone who isn't really a Rugby Union person, if it was shown free-to-air, would you get along and watch it? Nick? Uh, well, look, that, that's not the answer. It's part, of the, it's part of the answer. I mean, that was a disaster when they decided to make uh, rugby, uh, Super Rugby only available through uh, Foxtel. Uh, I think I'm even querying the cricket and other sports that have gone down doing, oh, these things are only available on, uh, you know, uh, cable that you have to pay for. This stuff is, I think you need to make all your sport available uh, free to air. You need to have people just casually come across it. And that's, that's going to help the crowds. As for the uh, sport itself, well, there's a, you know, it's always a, there's always people going, we've got to do this, that, and the other thing. Um, all I know is no one complains about rugby being boring when New Zealand play it. They know how to play it. South Africa play, actually plays. Uh, some of their club competitions are absolutely exciting. I watch Australian rugby, I go, can we play what they're playing? Because it's, it's a much better game. Mm. So I think the coaching and the mentality in Australia really needs to change. And is it true, before we get to what's his answer, is it true that the union, they're going to troll a few rules that are very league similar, 
or things that league have done to kind of fasten that play up. They're doing... Running they're, rugby is what we want. Yeah, they're, they're introducing goal line dropouts instead of a five-metre scrum. Yeah. Because scrums are the issue because uh, everyone's trying to edge, get their edge in the scrum. Mm. Rather than just pack a scrum, get on with it. They want to try and get the edge there and it's really irritating. And uh, the referee's actually doing the right thing by enforcing the law rather than going, oh, do what you want. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Have a go. Yeah, that's right. So that's the only rugby league uh, sort of style rule. But as I always say to people who uh, go, oh, it's becoming more like rugby league, uh, you do realise rugby league derives from rugby union. In other words, who's your daddy? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it a shame, though, that um, television networks and these network deals basically determine... Oh yeah, um, sports viability, mm. um, and we saw it with with the Big Bash is the perfect example. Well, of, we saw that, the NRL uh, Channel Nine tried to drive the NRL down yeah. because it's about their money. It's well, not about the sport at all. Well, Big Bash um, have failed to make money off the back of their television deals, and Channel Ten they they've they've been struggling for a long mm. time as well. So, look, uh, the to answer your question, plain and simple, no, I wouldn't watch it if it was on free to air. Uh, I've got cable as well. I still wouldn't watch it. Uh, it's not. It's just a game that doesn't overly appeal to me, but it's something that I haven't grown up with watching as well. Um, but then again, if, if mates are around having a barbecue and you're going to watch a game of football, you take a six-pack and you go and enjoy it. Mm. But yeah, it wouldn't be my first preference. Um, Union, as we've discussed, with the likes of Tim Horan, it's it's a rebuilding phase, and, and the best way to, to, to rebuild is win games. And yeah. win games on a national level. Get those household names you know, don't expose someone for Israel Folau for all the crap he did. He got more publicity than any other Wallaby in the in the past twelve months for being an idiot. Um, that's not a good look for the game, no. you know. Um, but uh, anyway, what did the poll say? It's it's really interesting, and I just thought it'd be a really easy answer. And I'm the type of person if sports on TV, I'll generally watch it. I am. I have grown up with rugby union, so to be fair, like I am have a, a semi interest um, in that. But the poll, 53% said no, 47% said yes. And, and what's you've just hit on something with Australian Rugby Union is the biggest problem they've got is they don't have an identity. Mm. Now, when I was a kid, and I know I grew up, I went to you know a rugby playing school, but, but I knew the players. And I think most of Australia knew the Wallabies captain. They knew some of the Wallabies stars. If I asked kids at school who the Wallabies players were, they'd say, what's a Wallaby? Something on the side of the road. So Australian rugby is now, I think, at its lowest form. It's had the hit in the guts that it probably needed, and it now needs to respond to that. Mm. I think what they also need to do is stop fighting in public. It was yeah, it's a true. really poor look when those 10 captains, Michael Lyon took his name off the letter. And then once the rugby union said, oh, you're always welcome to talk to us. That's fine. After that, they followed up with another letter. And you go, yeah. come on. You know, that's what I like. <clears throat> For all my uh, complaints, I do admire the fact rugby actually, uh, uh, rugby league are incredible boosters and uh, for the, the fans and the riders. Everyone just really boosts rugby league a lot, and I think rugby could do with a bit more. Can I them. tell you how good would the world be? How good would places be if people actually had conversations? <laughs> Scott Parkinson, thanks for your time this morning. Always great to catch up. Nick Baxter as well. Andrew, what's signing out? Have a great week, whatever you're up to.